Today's episode of That's What I Call Marketing is brought to you by The Indie List. Welcome to That's What I Call Marketing, the podcast where you will hear from the leading lights in the marketing world and listen to their unique insights. We are here in New Market Studios today to record a very special episode of That's What I Call Marketing. It's kind of like getting the band back together a bit. Uh, after 20 years after the release of one of Ireland's most iconic ads, we're here to talk about the making of the Guinness Christmas ad. Before we get into the introductions, we're just going to take a quick look at that ad in case you're not familiar with it. Get to turn the lights off. I won't. Even at the home of the black stuff, they dream of a white one. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me on That's What I Call Marketing. Before we get into talking about the ad, we'll just do some introductions and maybe tell us about your role in the ad. Pat, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, how you doing? Um, my name is Pat Hamill. Um, I was uh, in the creative team um, in Irish International on the Guinness Christmas ad, and um, I was the art director. Yeah. Mark. Mark Nutley. I was uh, Pat's copywriter uh, in Irish International at the time, privileged to be working on the the Guinness business at that time. Brilliant. Damien. Damien Devaney. Uh, I was working on the Guinness team and I had responsibility for master brand advertising. And uh, the Guinness ad was the fourth ad we made. And I spent the first three ads learning from him <laughs> how to make ads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, that was my role. Yeah. And uh, him, Tom. Him, yeah. <laughs> Tom. Uh, Tom Kinsler. And uh, uh, back then I was uh, head of advertising for the Diageo portfolio at that stage. So I, sp I spent a lot of time with these boys on, on various projects and various other teams, yeah. Brilliant. Well, listen, it's really great to talk about um, such an iconic ad. I mean, it's going into its 20th year of being on air. Um, but I think if you think about the context of the time, Christmas ads weren't as big a thing. We didn't have the John Lewis phenomenon. We didn't have kind of the, the slew of ads. How did, the, how did the idea of the Christmas ad come about? Maybe Tom and Damien, you might have some insights into that from the, the client side. Uh, it started as um, a conversation with uh, my line manager that, at that time, Mark Odie. We didn't have a Christmas ad in the plan. We were making an ad in India at the time, and that was on the schedule, and it was supposed to come out in October, November. Mm -hmm. And Mark just asked, um, it's a pity we don't have a Christmas ad, because Coca-Cola had taken over the Christmas ad right. sort of space. And we started talking about it. And the view was that Guinness had the, nearly the ability and the right to have an ad at Christmas because of its presence in Ireland. And uh, we ended up writing a brief, going to Tom, making sure that the brief was right, even though there was no plan, and there was no budget. And we sent the brief to the guys. And uh, the campaign at the time was Knowing It Matters. And we asked them to give us a, an ad for Christmas for Knowing It Matters. 
And I think we also said, I think we might have said a Christmas ad. I don't know what that, mm. but I definitely said yeah. we, we expected a Knowing What Matters ad. Mm. Mm. And the boys came back with a Knowing What Matters script, which was it, wasn't, it didn't really work because you can't tell Irish people about Christmas and knowing what matters. I yeah. can't even remember what it was. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> 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 I don't think it was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but then they had this other idea, which was a happy Christmas from Guinness to the country. And normally, you have to write back within 24 hours in a very detailed fashion responses to the guys. Was it on the target market? Was it on the insight? Was it on the KBB? And all these terms. And we did for the first script, but for the one the Christmas ad, we just wrote back, this is perfect, don't touch it. <laughs> because it was, we knew we had something special. And then we sat down with Tommy and mm. started to hatch out a plan. Because funny enough, there was actually some great Christmas ads back then. Mm. There was the yeah. Coca-Cola ad, there was the Budweiser ad, Budweiser. Um, and there was, th th there was a few of them. And Guinness had, had lost a bit of ground, and it certainly lost a bit of ground sort of over the summertime. Winter is a perfect time. For, for Guinness to be strong, and there was a feeling that, well, you know what, we, we need to reclaim Christmas. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and and right if any brand it. has the right to it, it's Guinness. Mm -hmm. How did you guys feel when it came into the, the agency, the, the brief? Was it terrifying? Yeah. <laughs> it came in in July, so it was, it, you know, it was, <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. it was really quite warm. It was, good, it was a good summer. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big brand, and again, the brief was, give us a Coca-Cola ad, give us a a Budweiser, um, you know, give us the Guinness equivalent, yeah. and you're excited, but you're also secretly terrified. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've been working on the brand for a wee while, a couple of years, anyway, at that stage. Um, so we were used to, there was always a weight of expectation. Well, any piece of work you did for, for, for Guinness, you know, was kind of, the audience, the, ad, the advertising and marketing audience, as well as the consumers were out there kind of, uh, kind of, waiting for it so there was a weight of expectation but obviously with something like this you kind of went oh okay there was that increased weight of expectation but also increased creative opportunity I thought well here we go this is you know and I guess what was whereas now you have this thing of what are brands going to do this year for Christmas yeah. at that stage there was those couple of ads around that were Annual favourites. Yeah, it was. It showed. It was on again. You know, like yeah. the the uh, Coca-Cola one and, and Budweiser, uh, and and what we were trying to create was something that would have that sort of longevity. It wasn't like maybe two or three years. We weren't trying to write that this year's number one. We were yeah. trying to write something that would have longevity. That was uh, our aim. You and Shane McGowan. Yeah. God, <laughs> God rest him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, and just th that interesting point that you know. Did you think it was going to be like a, a two to three year thing that this ad might get made? You might get a couple right. of years out. And we get into the getting it made piece. Um, my my memory, like and the guys know better, my memory at the time <coughs> was people were sort of saying three years. If we yeah, could yeah, do something yeah, last yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of time. Three years. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was, it was a, to make it worth our while, dude, we had to sort of say, okay, this is going to be a three year piece. Mm. Um, and, and, and that was one of the, sort of the negotiation tools that we had internally in order to get it across the line. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned there was no um, there was no budget <laughs> for it, so you're going about writing a brief for an ad that really didn't exist in anyone's yeah. PNL. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I suppose the, the things that were in our favour was one, the whole of Diageo had been trained in the Diageo way of brand building two years previously, maybe three, 
which meant that all the team and the finance team and the HR team and the senior management team all understood the terminology of marketing. They all believed in it. So the ability to communicate what we were doing and the ability to get buy-in was significantly improved was the first thing. Second thing is uh, we had a really, uh, really, really experienced team. Tommy had yeah. made a, a, a maybe 40 ads, 20 ads, a lot of ads. Uh, we had a really good marketing team led by, uh, in marketing by Mark Ody and we had ourselves, we had Gronya Wafer, we had Johnny Cahill, we had Niall Tracy, we had uh, Rory Toomey and so the team were doing well as a team and then we had huge respect for Irish International. Tommy knew them more than the rest of us because he worked on every ad. Right. But we had really good respect that we built up um, with the team and with Mal and so it was working together and we had done three previous ads that got the top score. But we need to have a top right hand box which is detailed yeah. but we built up a bit of credibility and because the ad was the idea was so good there was maybe belief in the team, belief in the agency and in a common language that we all were trained in. So that gave the context for us persuading. And in fairness then Paul Kelly was the marketing director and he had to he really backed this, which was a big decision. Yeah. And then Charles Coase was the financial director and he backed it. So right through the line, people backed it. Over time, but you need to give enough, we had, had to bring information to them, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I, I think Dweeb was a benefit, having a common language amongst ourselves. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, no, there, there, was, there was no doubt about that. But I think uh, what ultimately got it over the line was the, was, was the power of the script, in fairness. And anybody who read the script was like, this is just beautiful, yeah. Um, and and we've got to find a way to get this made, um, and you know because it, it, it goes back to that thing, uh, and again it's about Guinness's right to be involved in Christmas. Like who's Guinness? Well, actually, uh, what's at the core of Guinness is communion, mm. and what's at the core of Christmas is communion, and therefore there's just a beautiful alignment between two great brands. Give us a Christmas, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and the script just brought that to life beautifully, and that in many respects that made the job. We weren't fighting. Sometimes you have to fight for a script yeah. to get made. This one was just sailor true. And correct me wrong, but there are checkpoints <coughs> in Diageo when you go through to make to make ads, and things have to go through one stage gate and then maybe a second. Yeah. But am I this right? This didn't. Well, <laughs> we're looking back in time now. It's 20 years ago, I guess. The, the the guts of so I don't know what they do today, but certainly back then it was it was quite a rigorous process yeah. because the uh, the advertising, the, uh, the production investment, and the media spend on a particular spot runs into multi millions, um, and and so you have you, you've quite an analytical piece. This one, I th I think we might have done one round of research. Mm. We, we did one round. Yeah. And we realised that it wouldn't pass round two and three. Yeah, it wouldn't pass muster. <laughs> and because just only because it. Round two really looked for uh, engagement, and round three had an animatic. And, and Mark and myself went into meet Paul Kelly, and Paul is very reflective, you know, and logical. And we, we had a, f a short deck, and we said, we want to move forward without any more research. <laughs> and he, there was silence for about a half a minute. It's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Paul is looking at the deck, and he wasn't scrolling Mark, on his phone or anything. One of those <laughs> moments, you know, because there's a lot of other things he had probably on the on the Diageo agenda. And then he went, yeah, yeah, we support that. Wow. That was a big call. Yeah. Because that allowed us then go forward without having the, to pass gates two and three and, yeah. and then focus on bringing the idea to life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
And sometimes and you just got to trust the creative process. Yeah. And it's called a creative yeah. process, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Like it is, it's, it's not a science. There is no process in the world that you can start off at zero and guarantee yourself a blockbuster of, a, of an execution. Yeah. Because it's a beautiful creative and, and you've, you've, it's an art. Yeah. Right? And, and these guys have it down, you know, they, um, and it's our job on the client side is to protect that idea, is to protect the flame of the candle and try and guide it through the process. And we knew, you know, and, and in fairness, everybody in the team, the broader team knew that whilst this may not get through that really rigorous process, this was just a beautiful piece of advertising. And how did you feel from, from your the creative side of things? Because that, that's a really interesting point, that the client is yeah. there to kind of protect the idea and get it get it through, but it doesn't always happen. You know, you know, <coughs> as well as anybody, ideas can get diluted. But this, this yeah. had protection. I mean, I, just on, on that as well. You know, in terms of getting it made, Christmas was a good deadline. Mm. Yeah. You know, even the might of Diageo wasn't going to move it by a month, which was no, which and that was a good thing. You know, yeah. everybody was very concentrated on it. You know, and it had to be done, and um, that maybe helped. You know, but. Uh, I th it definitely did help. I think that there was a, gr a good relationship and a trust, and we'd worked together before mm, on previous yeah. things. If, if we'd been fresh in the door with this script, I think maybe it would have been a, a bit more difficult mm. for everybody to fully commit to it, but we were a good functioning team, yeah. agency and client at that stage, and all the individuals involved in that, you know? So, um, and there was, you know, I would say a particular trust between Tom and Mal mm. Stevenson, who was yeah, a creative director, you know, um, so so that really that really helped, you know. Um, the stars were all starting to align, yeah. which was great. I used to call Mal Gandalf because he'd, he'd stride across the set, yes, calmly, you know. And and I think I think he adopted Tommy at one stage. <laughs> <laughs> they were just hand and glove, so that they were really very tight, yeah. and mm. that meant that all those little niggles were solved between two guys. Yeah. Before it even happened, you know. Yeah, but it, you know, it, it absolutely is the job of creative director and creative team to try and you know defend the integrity, if you want to, to use a rather grand term for it, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. of an idea, you know. Um, but we were lucky with the the people we were working with, mm. and we were all pretty much on the same page. And but you know, if I was given a bit of advice, as I do advice to you know young clients and young teams now. Uh, you know, really important to work out in your head what is really important in this idea yeah. and what's yeah. really integral to it mm. and what are the executional bits around the edge and you fight for the stuff that's really important and you remain open-minded about the rest of the stuff, you know. I mean, one example, if I can use, I was absolutely adamant that there would be no dialogue in it. Yeah. No. Was, this was the night no. before Christmas, Quiet. it was a minute past 12, you know, everybody's tucked up in bed, there's only very few people left happening. We wanted to create this sense of stillness, you know, yeah. and I was like, a line of dialogue will just mess that, you know, break that stillness. And I was eventually persuaded that, you know, let's try something, you know, so I wrote the line, you know, don't forget to turn the lights out, you know, kind of thing. Even when we shot it, I was like, that's grand, yeah, it'll never make the <laughs> edit. Never, <laughs> never <laughs> make the edit, you know? Yeah. And then when I saw the edit, it was like, yeah, that kind of works, yeah, yeah. And of course, then my late mother, God rest her, for years and years and years, would always ask me is, don't forget to turn the lights out, going to be on again this year, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it became, it you know, the the, almost yeah. the unofficial yeah. title of it, yeah. you know? So 
So yeah. you stay open-minded about stuff, and yeah. you. But you know, there were certain things in it which I think we could talk about. You know, that were fundamental yeah. to it. Yeah. That you know, we didn't really have to fight tooth and nail for us to say we were very much on the same page. But we would have had to if it came to it. And I, you know, things like if somebody tried to tick the sociability box, you know, yeah, yeah, for instance, yeah. and said, we, you know, we yeah. need that pub scene in there, which... Because yeah. ultimately, I suppose, though, the, the, one of the most fundamental was, and it, it kind of all happened in reverse, it started with the line. The rest of it wouldn't have happened if that little, little insight, that little thing about even at the home of the black stuff, we dream of a white one. Okay, so that was the starting point, was it? it when, when that happened, then it all flowed. Okay. It, it took a while for that to happen. And, and ultimately, because, because in Ireland, snow is... We, we can all remember the different years yeah, yeah. that we got the, the, year big, the, snow, snow. the big snow. <laughs> yeah. 2010, yeah. 2004, even for older, yeah. you know, back <laughs> 1981, whatever yeah. it was. And you can remember that. And we don't get even like our, you know, our our, our, um, our friends in the UK. We don't get that type of snow consistently in the winter. And when it happens, you know, and if it happens on Christmas Day, there's there's something special about that. There's a cultural thing there. And I suppose when we have, and then there's that link to the product, you know, yeah. the black stuff, a white one, and then suddenly again stars aligning. Uh, okay, that's the what. What would that start to look like? And then all the pieces of the jigsaw started to pop into place. Do Do you remember how that came about? Because I just I just find that fascinating how that kind of insight to kind of the the snow and and you know the the Irish attachment yeah. to snow well, and not I, having I, it. I, the first deep, proper adult grown up piece of literature I probably ever read was James Joyce's. Mm collects a short story Dubliners, you know, and and the last mm -hmm. story in that it is, is The Dead, you know. And I read that when I was probably, I don't know, fifteen or sixteen years of age. And you know, it's it's a piece I've gone back to again and again and that has a monologue at the end, um, when the car the character is looking out the window of the Gresham Hotel, I think it is, and snow is snow is falling and it's snow is general all over Ireland and mm. you know, he goes on from there and you know, it's a it's a stunning piece of writing that I would go back and just read and read for the for, the, for its own value, you know, uh, and it sort of stayed with me. So when this brief arrived, you know, that was in my head, you know, right. that as a, yeah. anyways, and then I seen the film version of it, which John Huston, uh, his last movie, had had, had directed, you know, um, which kind of brought that monologue to life in a way, you know, um, but. You know, there's not like there's any in, in of that in uh, in the commercial, but that that was there and sort of s and set a, a thought process going. You know, mm. um, and obviously then, as, as Pat was saying, you know, it made that integral to the point and and gave us the opportunity to to do that really iconic Guinness thing yeah. of the black with the the white head. You know, and, 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 and then I, I suppose in in the dead when you you saw the movie there was when he looked out it is dark but with snow on the ground when 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 it's it, it lightens up yeah. and you see the detail of the landscape and there was one or two little stills nearly photographic actually which got it kind of got us thinking you know maybe maybe a less frenetic a less cut cutty approach a less um 
you know, less dynamic kind of, maybe something that's just a little bit, yeah. as Mark said earlier, a little bit still, like it's all, you know, it's all calming down. Um, it's it's midnight. It's, you know, uh, we're getting into Christmas Day. Um, and that's where the guy looks at the watch and it all just kicks off. And, you know, a photographic kind of, um, I suppose, piece that goes all over Ireland. Yeah. And it was important. The all over Ireland was really important. Um, little, maybe not the usual suspect, kind of little uh, visuals that sort of symbolised um, what Christmas meant to different people in different parts of Ireland. Yeah. A key thing, which is exactly building on what the guy said, a key thing was when we said Happy Christmas to the country, mm. you no longer were writing an ad for the target market that all the other ads for Guinness at that time did, which right. was 27-year-old males, I think, was the target market. So that meant that you're making a piece of work for the country. So it, it became more of a cultural uh, lens than a target market lens. And as Mark was alluding to, it was important that Tommy and myself and the internal team said that we can't move and uh, sort of find ourselves having the pub open. We can't find ourselves having socialization. We can't find ourselves having cans at home. So it moved from... Mm from a consumption uh, potential opportunity to a cultural reflection. Then we all know, what is Ireland? A minute past 12 yeah. on Christmas Eve. It should be, everybody should be home. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that piece of magic. Mm. Um, and we would have had those discussions and ensured that the idea was kept, that the magic was kept. And I think one of the reasons it's endured, as well as the beautiful black and white and, the shit and everything, so let me get this straight, Damien, Mr. Marketing Manager. You want to make a 60-second <laughs> ad for Guinness that doesn't have any consumption in it, no closed. products, and the pub's closed. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. So how do, we, how do we show the product? Yeah. So you see the gatepost, yeah. and then you see the little, yeah, the little yeah. bit of, of snow above the, the black gatepost. You see the horse and a little bit of snow above the, you know, um, where, the, you know in, in, where the horse is. And then you see the likes of the fox. And there was, there was a number of scenarios that we actually had that didn't make it into the cut. We did, at one stage, Dublin Airport, where um, you had the visual of snow literally being pushed off the, off the runway. So you had the black of the runway. So there was all these little, like, you know, um, little piece of iconography that, that represented yeah. the point. And let's do it in a subtle way. Let's, so maybe on the first viewing, you don't get them all. Maybe on the second or the third or further down, you go, oh, yeah, okay, I see what they're doing there, you know. And yet you end up, in effect, that it is probably 60 seconds of all product shots. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what yes. you think it's all. It's, it's, well, it's yes. not black and white. It's effectively black and white. And it's yes. just, subliminally, it's all, yeah. it's all product. Exactly. But, but how hard was that conversation about we're not going to have a pint again? I find it very easy because I didn't get involved. <laughs> 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 there, were, there were two intense conversations. Okay, but everybody eventually went. Yeah, like yeah. everybody to the line backed it, mm. but there was natural conversations because it, it was a, a big spend, and you know, um, you, you know, people naturally tease out, kind of start in the bar or kind of end at home, and and the, for me, the, the essence is the minute past twelve. Yeah, that piece of magic had to be kept al alive at all points during the, the and and one of the things is that I think, you know. A good ad is hundreds of decisions the right way yeah. mm. on yeah. top of a brilliant idea. Because yeah. each time there's a decision, 
they're all making it better or worse. Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think holding true to at least mm. that minute past 12 piece of magic mm -hmm. and everything through that lens was important. And like my was on other ads, you think about the target market. And this ad, I had my mum in mind all the time. Mm. Okay. If she thought a fox was the right thing, if it, that's because this, this is not just urban and it's not just a target market. It's not just, you know, a group. This is a letter or a, a postcard to the country. Yeah. We called it a Christmas card because literally yeah, that's yeah, what okay, it was, yeah. you know. Uh, and yeah. you talked about the expectation of, of when the brief arrived. I, I actually think I felt a bit a bit more like, oh, wow, when we actually had to go and make it because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was like everybody loved the script and everyone loved this idea. And as you say, can yeah. everybody kind of... Storyboards look great, but how do we do it for real? And then, and then it was like, <laughs> OK, <laughs> great, so we have sign off, so go and make it. Yeah. And, and it was like, oh, OK. Um, but and that's when and we've been chatting leading you know in the last few days just chatting about you know craft and yeah. that's where you really you know as a creative team we felt that responsibility we've got to find people here who are everyone's got to be on their a game for this now yeah you know yeah. this has got to be as good as it can possibly be you can't look back on this didn't know we'd be looking back on it 20 years but you can't be looking back and thinking, oh, if only we'd done this, or if only mm. we'd done that, you know. Uh, which you do with most things you make, yeah. but yeah, you yeah. kind of felt with this one, that's not where you want to be. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of choice of director, in terms yeah. of choice yeah. of the, the people, you know, the, um, the composer, all of those things, they just had to be the right people. The voice over. Yeah. And again, yeah. the team came in there because the first director we recommended, uh, yeah. Tom turned down. Yeah. It was a director who recently done a couple mm. of big effects things mm. that yeah. were involved snow and ice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Tom said, I, "Well, I can't remember exactly, but <laughs> I think it was, you know, but we're not sure if he kind of has the the heart for this, or the right sort of soul, you know." Yeah. Really. And mm. actually, we went and. Tom was absolutely spot on, and we went and looked again. We found Stuart Douglas. Stuart then, Douglas, who, yeah. who was uh, had found fame really as as a part of a duo with his brother, as the Douglas brothers, and they were photographers. Um, and then he went into uh, into commercials, into film. And Stuart, from just um, from the minute we started talking to Stuart, he just had the right feel for this connection yeah. he, the relationship that you all had he yeah, fitted into yeah. it he, yeah. he, he just got what we were trying to do yeah. um, and he put together on his end you know his his A team I suppose the director of photography um, he, he had a crew that he worked with um, on, a, on a lot of big jobs and um, yeah it just gave you so much confidence so, so from from the beginning to the end, just everybody was looking at the craft, making sure that, you know, what was on the page, what was in the storyboard, actually uh, just got better and better and better. Sometimes I think that the hero, though, of this, as well as an amazing idea, is the music. The music yeah. is, was such an important decision. I mean, you guys, I think mm. it was Mal and you guys decided we need a unique score. Up to that point, Guinness ads didn't have unique scores. They took no. brilliant older songs yeah. and, re songs. and gave them a, a shot in the arm. And the decision to go for unique score, uh, I think, is one of the main reasons why that ad is, is mm. liked so much. Yeah. I mean, it was certainly was the trend through the, the 90s and into the, into the early uh, two zeros. You know, it was the track, it was the song, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
and that just didn't feel right for this at all you know we wanted something much more bespoke and again you know found a couple of references that I and played them to people and they were oh, I don't know Mark you know mm. uh, and then I, f I found a piece which previously had actually been used on a beer commercial on a on a directed by Jonathan Glazier for Caffrey's and it was um mm. and it just had a we're never going to use that piece, but there was a, a piece thing about it. It was from Miller's Crossing, um, Carter Burwell's track at the end of Miller's Crossing, the Coen Brothers movie. And it just had something about it that I really liked, which it was kind of orchestral. And, uh, but it, even when it sort of reached a kind of a climax as a, as a piece, it was kind of restrained. It never went over the top as a piece. I thought that's kind of what we need because we need something big here. Yeah. But we need something again respecting that kind of minute past midnight, the night you know, uh, night before Christmas, sort of. That when it got big, it still had a kind of restraint about it, you know. And uh, and it, again, in fairness, it was Stuart Douglas who said, you know, I know this guy, yeah. Kevin Sargent, composer, and I think he'd be interesting for this. Mm. And again, spoke to Kevin and and, and sent him that um, Miller's Crossing piece, and he just went, yeah, I get what you're trying to do here, yeah. and he composed it. And um, what a great job he did on it. Really you know? good. When I we at, at one stage we had the pictures, we had the pictures done, and you know, it was a it was shot over six nights. Um, around the the end of October, uh, around by around Halloween time, and uh, we were all quite exhausted because you were you were getting up, literally to do yeah. shift work and work through the night, and um, the pictures were done. But actually, we we the orchestra then came in, and we were there when the orchestra started to play, and literally there was goosebumps. I remember kind of just thinking, how you know this is. This has taken on just well, another level. You we know. were in the studio and a client arrived. We put down the strings <laughs> and we put down the, the brass yes. and we had, there was a, like a TV screen over the mixing desk in yeah. the studio which had a, like a rough edit on it. And we had a rough mix set up and you sat on the couch mm. and we played it. And I looked over, and you were welling up. I know, yeah. I looked at Mal. I thought, "This is, this is." Was it? It was in this. I remember. Was it in down an alleyway in Fulham or someplace? Yes, it was a small little place, little place, nondescript in a way. That's right. And then this, this piece of music came out, and I looked at Mal, and because up to that point, you just were under a lot of pressure. <laughs> to, to deliver, yeah. to deliver. Yeah. everybody was like, "Where's the know, pint?" But once, once you heard that music, you yeah. realised that it was mm, something, as you said, something else had had, yeah. had arrived. Oh, and when yeah. I looked at Damien, I thought that was the first time I thought, mm, "Maybe we have something here." I was going to ask, was that the moment where you thought this is, or or when you were shooting it, where you yeah. get that sense? I, I think that was for me. I kind of thought, oh, "Okay." Yeah. That's, you know, because you are, at that stage, you're caught up in all the logistics and yeah, stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. But, but even the, the first time we went to see the edit um, was myself, Pat and Mal went to see it. Um, uh, we went into this edit suite and Stuart Douglas, the director, was there with, with the editor. And we all sat down, you know, and we're quite anxious to see it, you know. And the uh, first thing Stuart said is, you're going to be disappointed. Mm. Oh, 
and, and suddenly well, they feel the air being sucked out of the room, you know. And he said, but don't worry, we know how to fix it. Yeah. All right. And he, then he just showed us it. And there was a slight sense of something's missing. And he said, yeah, there is something missing. And, and basically, we had only shot falling snow in the opening scene where yes. Customs House Key, where the guy walks and looks at the watch. Yeah. yeah. And we sort of said, everywhere else, because it was just going to be logistically too difficult, everywhere else there will just be snow down. We won't mm. have falling snow. Mm. <coughs> right. And we thought, sure, that'll be fine. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. It didn't, <laughs> <laughs> and you looked at it, and and the fall, just even just that, f those few flakes falling through frame, through frame, were the magic dust, yeah. the visual kind of magic dust, mm -hmm. and you needed it throughout. And yeah. when we saw the first edit, it wasn't there, but Stuart said, "Don't worry, we're going to put it in everywhere because that's what it needs." You know, there and was a genius on the post end of things, Tom Sparks, and. Uh, it's you can do it probably now on Instagram with a filter, but <laughs> yeah. but back in the day you needed a genius. You needed somebody to to work all that out, and we had because ultimately the snow against um, against the the dark sky is like a, a plate, is what they call it. Um, we were able to apply all the snow that we shot um, on the or first scene the, okay. across all the other right. scenes, um, so that it it literally felt it was done. All you know. From the get-go, and it, it feels like the whole way throughout, like you were saying, there was no corners cut, but but still, big bet, you know, that this yeah. was going to work. And one of the things that, again, I go back to the joking side, the no, the no point in the ad, but the use of the de distinctive assets or creating them. And we probably weren't using that language back then, Tom. Like, did no, no, it was. Um, <clears throat> I mean, these guys fought long and hard to keep the consumption and keep keep the pub out of it, which is ironic when you think about it. Um, but it's exactly, it's exactly right. right? Mm. And if if it, if it was going to be a Christmas, it was a Christmas card, mm. not a beer mat, yeah. right? And that's <laughs> yes. the yeah, yeah. The, the fundamental difference. Mm. And if you look at other great Christmas ads, <clears throat> and whilst there is, you know, John Lewis created a Christmas ad every year, year in, year out, and everyone, I bet your bottom dollar they wish they had a Christmas ad that ran. Every year for twenty years, right? You know, and yeah. the Budweiser ad before it, mm, yeah. you know, and you could run the Budweiser ad today, no problem. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they get, and those ads don't have product in them because they come at it from a different point of view, which is basically the brand giving something back, yeah. and 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 a knowing brand, an intelligent brand, celebrating with customers. You know what? We're just taking a moment out. It's the time of year. Let's just take a breather, mm. and actually, in doing that, you earn so much kudos mm. from not trying to flick and. You know, flog the pints all yeah. the time. But also fundamentally, creatively, we would believe. So you know, when other brands are zigging, we need to zag. The people are consuming a lot of messages out there <coughs> on a daily basis. If you want to stop people in their tracks, show them something different. Yeah. Um, so that's why the music was slightly different. That's why we chose a voiceover that maybe wasn't the usual suspect. That's why instead of going, you know, hell for leather with a very quick edit, it was confident and it was a little slower and you had time just to take everything in. Um, we needed to zag. Yeah, the pace of the ad, like it's, it, you know, I think even now it's the right pace. But Damien, just on the voiceover, you mentioned to me that the happy Christmas at the end came yeah. about interest, in an interesting um, way. At that time, there was a little movement, remember? Happy Holidays. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was creeping in in some places. 
And the people are bringing Budweiser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we had finished in Cork, and that shoot in, in, in Patrick Street. Look at the Shandon Bells. There was a night shoot, and we come to Galway for the Curragh shoot, mm -hmm. and I was Panjax, and I was lying on the, on the bed in, um, in the juries, and I was on the phone to um, Gronia from II, mm -hmm. and she was reading out two or three tweaks to Mark's copy. Or two or three, three tweaks, and uh, or to pass copy, and um, at the end of it, she said, "Happy Christmas," and she was in the team. Mm -hmm. And I went, remember I met you guys the next day, and I went, "We have to have Gronia," yeah. because it was just perfect. Yeah. And we never—I don't think we had a female voice in Guinness before then. Possibly not. Mm -hmm. And it just felt right for the Christmas ad. It also felt right the way she said it. "Happy Christmas" was so like a little cherry on top, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, um, and that was serendipitous. Or it was, yeah. yeah. And uh, there was a, I, I mean, there was, there was a lot of serendipitous stuff. Um, and you know, you could say luck, but you you give yourself the chance to be lucky, you know, by, by being kind of relentless and and keep pushing this because we, you know, everyone felt we had something special when it was on the page, you know. But you have to yeah. keep pushing to try and make it special, you know. Uh, and uh, actually, I, I know. Pat, you were saying about it starting with that line, even at the home of the black stuff, but we had a version of that line, but it wasn't that line. Mm. Um, okay. And mm -hmm. again, yourself mm -hmm. kept at me. I think it, I don't know if it's quite right. I don't yeah. know if it's quite right. <laughs> yeah. And it was, we weren't in juries and going, yeah. we were in a, some B&B. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the late great Margot Tracy had put us in. But, um, <laughs> but I remember sitting at this <laughs> tiny little desk in my <laughs> small room. My room was my favourite, I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, on a pad I wrote it. Um, well, so it was on the shoot, actually, yeah. even with yeah, the, yeah, the black yeah, stuff, yeah. the dream of a white one. Yeah, yeah. And I can't, I can't remember what the, uh, the earlier version of the line was, but um, mm. and mm. I think some, that day on the shoot, I sidled up to you and said, I think this I is it. Yeah, yeah, remember that. Um, so, you know, it's, mm. it is a creative process mm. and you'd be open to, you can make it better, you can make yeah. it better, you can make that it better. Yeah. That's the all thing, the way up to, till yeah. as it used to be, and then there's a tape going to the station as it is now, you know, yeah. a file being sent off or yeah. whatever, you know, you can. And, you know, Pat mentioned the voice over there, we tried, wanted to try and find somebody who wasn't on any other ad, who was yeah. just a different voice, right. a special voice. Manage that. Mm -hmm. We managed that. We managed that. And again, through Margot, Margot actually knew John. Really? Um, and we had a couple of people in the mix, and Margot, just a little bit of collaboration, and, and Margot right. said, actually, do you know what? Um, because he's not a voiceover artist, um, he might just bring something slightly different to it, but he, you know... Um, and uh, he was doing, I think, the night train at the time on on, he, on, did, on, yeah, he on was doing RTE whatever radio. radio program um, he was doing, and he was doing the arts show on TV. Uh, I, I, John Kelly, he says, you know, yeah, and I, yeah. I don't think he'd ever done a commercial voiceover, and I don't know if he's ever done one since. No. And he did have to, I think, ask RTE for kind of permission to do it or yeah. whatever, you know, yeah. because of his situation with RTE. But Margot, bless her, swung it. She, anyway, she sorted um, it. Yeah, rang him up. John! Back <laughs> <laughs> then we didn't have um, Orlando Wood. I thought that guy was brilliant. Is it called Lemon? The book yeah, yeah. Brilliant book and he talks about fame and he talks about left brain and right brain. And that, I read that about seven or eight years ago. And it felt, reading that book, that this was very much a, a right brain piece of work. You weren't telling people everything. No. 
you were leaving yeah. lots of pieces for people to shorthand for people to fill in the gaps like the fox mm. means an awful lot more than just the fox and yeah. references to nature and it just felt like um, a piece of beauty rather than telling you know everybody exactly a left brain storyline yeah yeah being and too I, rational we didn't we used that language at the time but i think that's probably contributed to its longevity yeah because like the approaching it as a like a fame strategy was not mm. a no it wasn't thing. nobody talked about fame no. We just talked about keeping it alive, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, and it, 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 look, it comes back to, uh, I mean, that anecdote about how the line changed on the shoot. And the point is, it's not formulaic. Yeah. Right? There isn't an algorithm that's going to churn you out a Christmas yeah. ad. It's, <laughs> it, it is a beautiful, creative process, and you end up with a beautiful piece of art, yeah. right? That you yeah. can draw a link all the way back to the dead, what have you. It's commercial art, but it's art. Less. Yeah. Even even visually, we were always keeping our your eyes peeled for something, you know, in an iconic way that would really work with the black and white. Um, we actually carried around in the back of a van a Christmas tree because we thought, let's get a Christmas tree in here somewhere. Um, and everywhere we kind of placed it and put it, just didn't feel quite right, if you know what I mean. It maybe was a bit of a usual suspect. Um, but there, there were other things that just emerged um, that, that, you know, Stuart, along with ourselves, working together to kind of go, well, hang on a sec, is that this, this could be something interesting. And we literally kind of, you know, stopped the van and kind of go, right, OK, hang on a sec, let's put some snow on that, on that bicycle, you know, um, yeah, yeah. and put it on the, you know, d just, just put a little bit on the, um, on the saddle and see what it looks like. And if we light it a particular way, hang on a sec, that starts to look like, oh, okay, the point, to, you know, dimensions are starting to creep in. This could be interesting, or a post box or something, which again, we, we shot an awful lot of stuff um, that didn't actually make it into the, into the ad. It just, the balance was slightly wrong or just that image didn't quite work. But you're constantly crafting it. You're constantly going, if we put that in, is it better? Even at the edit stage, it's like, well, we, and what if, what if we, we put take the fox and put him further up and how does it all work and it changed things you know the um, small little things can make the massive difference but you have to have the curiosity i think don't absolutely. you have to and constantly be looking for it yeah and you've got to give these guys the space right so our job very often is just to stay out of the way right and that's <laughs> yeah. that, as a client very often that's the best thing you can do uh and and there had because we had worked together uh, and with Mav and Irish International, there was a there was a great trust and a bond there uh, between all of us, and just keeping out of their way and letting them go off and try things. Yeah. Right. In for a penny, in for a pound, and we'll just we, we'll we'll see where it goes. We know what the you know the minimum viable product is, if you like, but let the, create space for, for little sparks of magic is is, is a key aspect. It, it probably and maybe doesn't happen as much nowadays. I don't want to get into that too much, but I think you know we we may not give each other the space, either the client side or, yeah. or the agency side, to actually create something and have the moments where you can actually pod and proke at something and kind of figure out exactly the thing we, you're saying. How do you we, do we it? We try to do it consistently because that's how better work happens. Yeah, um, yeah sometimes it, it, it doesn't materialise, um, but, but you're constantly trying to, you know, uh, com come up with something you think is... is and then... And then keep crafting it, keep changing it to try and make it the best it can be. Yeah. And in fairness to the to the guys and girls in Diageo today, you know, there's been generations of marketeers who have come after us mm. and who have appreciated we've got a real asset here yeah. 
right? And it's 60 seconds. Yeah. Like in today's world, mm -hmm. that's, that's not cheap to put that on air. No. Because the number one thing that you do as a brand manager is, you know, repackage, relaunch, resign, yeah. you know, yeah, and yeah. Say, I want my own Christmas ad. But no, they, they you know, which is, which is brilliant. It's, I mean, and it's testament to actually, in fairness, to Diageo and their sense of marketing and actually, yeah. mm. if it works, go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Hats off to the team that keep, keep doing it because you can say there was a few years, maybe 10 years ago, that it might have been easier to do something else yeah. or yeah. some new team come in. So every year to, to bank it and you can see more work around town to always have a new, saw something new today yeah. with the footprints. The footprints. Extending yeah. it so even good. better or you know making it even more current. Yeah. So yeah. They've actually done yeah. like well. I mean, the thing, one of the things I find, you know, most lovely about it. I, I usually describe it as the gift that keeps giving <laughs> and all I have to do is go and actually go on YouTube and look at it and you just go down to the comments, you know, yeah. and any mm. kind of platform like that is normally yeah. a pretty cynical place. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll probably put the mockers on it now, but you, you, <laughs> you go down a hundred and something comments and it's just people love it, you know, yeah. and there isn't a, you know, and yeah. people now talk about how it reminds them of, you know, their dad or, them, you know, who's passed and, you know, yeah. and the emotional involvement in it is, is amazing. But, you know, in terms of, you know, Mark Ritson wrote a piece earlier this year, I think it was based on a piece of System 1 research about ad wear out and how ads don't, don't wear, wear out as yeah. much as mm. certainly people in advertising agencies or the marketing community sometimes think they do. Um, and, you know, he ended the article by saying, this is, this is more bad news for people in creative agencies, meaning, you know, you'll get to make less stuff. I'd love to make less stuff yeah. and put more into them. The good stuff. You know, and and... If, for me, if, if there's a lesson I, out of this for the f advertising community and the marketing community is put more love into the work and it'll last longer. And the, the audience, your target market will get more out of it repeatedly. You know, that you don't get tired of looking at things that you love. Yeah. You know? No. Um, yeah. And if, you know, and there's that, Obviously, a lot has changed in the last 19 years since we since we made that ad, but a lot hasn't, you yeah. know. It, and and you still, to my mind, you can't bludgeon your way into the affections of of your consumers, you know. Um, and if you create work that they love and want to watch and watch again, you know that's 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 gold, you know. And and the way to do that is to to invest in it, you know, invest in your agency, invest in, in, in and give them the time and the space, as Tom was saying, to, to create something, you yeah. know. And invest in the, like, the relationship, like actually building a trusting relationship takes time. Key. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it? And, and, and you gotta, gotta tell it, but it's like, you know, it's like a relationship. Yeah, like yeah. You, you gotta work at it day in, day out, don't take it for granted. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> these guys, like, they're the heroes of this, because right, they, they wrote it, they protected it. Mal was, was on their right arm, the, the three of them. But there was a whole agency behind it, mm. actually, you know, going after it. But you've, you, you've got to nourish that relationship. And they'd earned the right, right? Yeah. Because the work that had come before was great. And, 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 and therefore, as a client, you're saying, okay, we're willing to go into battle internally. Because effectively, we're like an internal agency. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, trying yeah. Trying to sell it up the line. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and doing that and doing it... You know, I, you can go in and you can sell it, 
and not have any real passion for it, but when you're selling something that you mm -hmm. truly believe mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. and it's passionate and you know then that the crafting bit which comes afterwards, yes. that they will give it the time and love that it deserves, then you can do that with confidence. Right? But it's, it's about just constantly working together. Collaboration. Yeah. The relationship yeah. with AI. Yeah. Was, I can, in my mind, as always, in that room that we had in, it just off your desk, yeah. there was one room where there'd be Mark or myself, Tommy, and we'd have Sheila Cunningham or April Redmond, these brilliant planners. But you'd be in there with the guys and Mal and Sean Whitaker and God rest him. And, and it was just intense. You know, it, it, it was people were cr working to defend and to work things out and to find what's the right idea. It wasn't a blasé meeting. It was, a, it was, a, it was collaborative, yeah. but it was mutually challenging. Yeah. yeah. And that's where the relationship was, was formed, really. And then, of course, you're always out. You might be on shoots, etc. But this, the, this, the, the mutual respect and also the desire to push mm. yes. was in that room a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm sorry, they come across as being lovely, gentle creatures. They do. Let me tell you. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, yeah. if you're trying to do something with their baby, they'll... Can, uh, they do a good double act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a diplomat, and, oh, right. and then he puts you in your place. <laughs> <laughs> the stare happens. As, as he's trailing off his comment, the stare starts to look down, and you know you're in trouble. But... Um, that's when it, when it aired first, what was that immediate reaction? Again, we weren't on social media. There wasn't that. Was mm. there kind of just a were there phone calls going around? People going, it's it, it's as good as we hoped, or was it just kind of a? I think by the time it aired, we were all in love with it, right? Mm. Mm. Um, and uh, and I do think it was as good as it could possibly be. And I personally, I don't. There's not a piece of that ad that I would change or say I wish we did this or did that um, <clears throat> and so by the time it went out you were just hoping that it would get some sort of warm reaction that's kind of been a slow builder over the years mm. is it, you know I don't think it was an instant classic if yeah. you like yeah. and yeah. it's just it's 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 like the return of a warm comfortable blanket year yeah. in year out you know for me it's I I don't even need to be listening watching the TV but when you hear it mm. in the background from the first note uh, and it's like, ah, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Back. That's <laughs> what people that say. First, yeah. That first year, it yeah. actually, it snowed yeah. on Christmas Day. I remember. Yeah. Um, oh, did it? Mal sent us a text on yeah. Christmas yeah. morning. Irish Thank you, Janice. <laughs> and you're expecting, did the snow business guys kind of, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. did the shoot, are they outside your house? Yeah. No, they're away. Are they doing it on purpose? That's right. Outside the CEO's that, house. Yeah. 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 At the I was snow in a machine. Car gone somewhere yeah, yeah. up to my brother's house, I think, on Christmas <laughs> Day, and a few flakes fell, which was all it was, you know, really. Yeah. But a text went, and it was Mal wow. saying, Holy moly. Yeah. But, uh, what are the chances? Yeah. But yeah, my memory of it is is it was kind of well received when it mm. came out, but I think it, it is had that thing of it's just grown in, mm. in stature and, and people people's affection as, as the years have, have kind of rolled on, you know. What's interesting is well, pe people maybe that have uh, gone away, that have emigrated to different countries and maybe, you know, for work and to raise a family, maybe they come back, you know, um, for the Christmas period um, and they grew up seeing it and then they, they look forward to seeing it again when yeah. they arrive back. That sort of has, you know, um, really helped with, uh, yeah, the, the, the love for it, I suppose. It, it has a quality as an ad that, and maybe this does come slightly from, you know, you know, take slight inspiration from from the dead and stuff. But it has a melancholy to it. 
mm. yeah. as Christmas does. There is a melancholy to, to, to Christmas time. You know, it's a time of reflection, it's a time of looking back, it's a time of, you know, you miss those people who aren't around anymore, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. it has that, and the yard has that. And, and I think that is something, because it has that, it has grown <laughs> in affection every year, you know. It, mm. that, that melancholy sense of it is, is you know, it, it fits with Christmas so well because of that, and, and I think that's part of the reason because you know of why it it has kind of grown on people and in people's affection over the years, and you know, and that's not something you ever looked to. That mm. was not something in the brief, mm. or not something necessarily in the script, you know, or something we necessarily thought about, you know. It's but it was, but it was in there somewhere, you know. Mm. Even down to the guy, you know. Wearing the trilby again, a little bit timeless, a little yeah. bit. Well, when is this? What's going on? He looks at his watch. There's a classic nature to the watch. He doesn't start jumping up and down or, or anything like that. It's all very or fall over. <laughs> and then, and then he has the dog with him, who's actually that was Mal oh, Stevenson's what? dog, George, uh, Georgia Stevenson's dog, um, Bilko. Bilko. Yeah, Bilko. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, it, it, it just there was, yeah, there, there was a. We wanted to make it slightly timeless in that way, little props and things that you couldn't go, oh, that's now out of fashion. That's, no, you know. Um, I suppose the only thing, um, Molly Malone actually isn't in front of Trinity College anymore. Yeah, moved, it has moved. That's the only really thing that's changed. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun yeah. part of the shoot, remember? It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask. Molly Malone. Molly Malone in the middle of the night when the clubs closed. <laughs> People say it must have been glorious, you know, magical to be shooting that. It was actually pretty miserable. Yeah. Uh, for six nights. It was yeah. pretty... The glamour. Dank, cold. Open on the beach somewhere. That's the script. <laughs> dank, cold, wet night. Yeah. yeah um, it was. I, as you reflect on the, the ad, the story, why for you is kind of important to tell this story, like, why, why does it matter to kind of get, bring people behind the scenes? Damien, do you have any thoughts on kind of... Um, I suppose I, over the years I have a passion for uh, the industry, uh, be it the marketing side or the creative side. Um, I've been in the Institute, the Marketing Institute, and on Effie's, um, Tom has been in the Institute. And you put free time because you care about what we're doing, or you at least enjoy the craft and learning to do it better. and. We now know from Orlando Wood and these guys that you know fame ads that hit that fame trigger are are um, much more uh, um, impactful for businesses and for whoever makes them. And um, over the years, people have asked about the Guinness ad, and I think if if anybody making ads today, be it on client side or marketing side, mm -hmm. if they can pick up any sense, it's not like you know, it's not like here's the rules, but any sense of the atmosphere of making an ad for themselves. Yeah that will last. And for themselves to say, I want to do something better, um, that's a good thing, rather than keeping it in our heads. Mm. Agreed. Yeah, I think, uh, <coughs> uh, you know, it's, for me, it's, it's the fascination with the creative process. And I think if I look back now, so uh, success has many fathers and mothers, mm -hmm. um, and, and you mm -hmm. know, I, I would say these two gentlemen here are, there, are the very core of this ad. Um, on, on the Diageo side, there's probably a dozen people, you named most of them earlier on, who all had a hand or a role. And frankly, all of them have gone on to have stellar careers, yeah. right? Yeah. So and it's just, there was that sort of alignment of maybe it was just a moment in time. I think one of the key things is, certainly back then, there was the Diageo way of how to make an ad. It was a very systemized way. Now, 
what that did, it didn't give you a greater chance of getting a really fabulous ad, but it greatly reduced your chances of making a dog. Right. right? However, the important part is, if you weren't really expert and had mastered that system, which all that team had mm -hmm. in fairness to them, then you're allowed to throw the system out because you understood the fundamentals, you really got the fundamentals uh, and, and you understood that piece about creative judgment and, and, and the really valuable bit about the relationship with the agency and, and the Guinness team at the time, and I mean the wider team there, mm -hmm. and the agency, they were working hand in glove. Because remember, this is one ad we're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were producing a volume of advertising at that time. I mean, there was so much going through and, and you guys must have been worn out. <laughs> but there was just ad after ad, it was relentless. Yeah. Right? Um, and they were all great ads. But it was the one where we threw the system out, is the one we're talking about 20 yeah. years later. You were allowed go more <coughs> lateral. You know, the, the, there's lots of systems in place and, and every, you know, every brand has, has a manual, I suppose, or guidelines um, and, and they're linear. You know, and there's, uh, it's all very logical, and that makes an awful lot of sense. Our brains work slightly differently, and we're, we're, we're taught how to think laterally. Um, gets us into trouble sometimes, <laughs> but every now and again, a little bit of magic happens. Um, and it's based on little nuggets um, of, you know, that, 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 that tie into what the, what the brand is all about. Can we, can we also then maybe marry that with a little bit of culture, what we're about? emotionally what makes us tick and can we fuse that together and create something maybe that's a little bit special in a very different way than you've seen before it's why we need the client and the agency mm -hmm. you, like yeah, it, yeah. it really is Absolutely. isn't it like Two it doesn't work yeah, yeah. otherwise um, it is the relationship and, and you know for me I, and i do occasionally have to remind people that i've done a few ads since <laughs> uh, you know uh, but you know while you're at lunch talking about it, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and still doing them. But, you know, it is the, you know, great example of, you know, don't underestimate the power of creativity. Mm -hmm. Don't underestimate what creativity can do for your brand. Mm. And particularly when you invest in it properly, you know, and you gather a team around you that, you know, that works and, and people you can work with. And, and you invest in that and you give them time and the space to create something, you'll get the return on investment. And I think yeah, 20 years time. return on investment is, it hasn't been yeah. bad really. And it works both ways. I mean, I think uh, Miles Stevenson, who was the, the creative director in Irish International at the time, he was sort of the godfather of advertising to all of us, mm -hmm. but he invested a lot of time on behalf of the agency in education all of us. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, and frankly, putting manners on us when we needed the manners put in us, but, but did it in a way that sort of explained it and, and, and was teaching you uh, the, the whole time. And again, it is that piece around just really believing that, you know, the agency, which, I, which they were, were fully invested in it. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and then that gives you the freedom to trust them and say, you know what, Let's we'll this. back you. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing a wonderful story Never been told, getting the band back together. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> Damon was writing a brief uh, yeah, during, during this. Yeah. So, uh, um, <laughs> well, listen, thanks a million. And thanks Thank for listening and watching this episode. That's what I call marketing. We'll be back in the new year with season three. And if you enjoy this episode, please do share it. Um, and thanks again.
Thanks again to the Indie List for their support of this show. If you need experienced, excellent marketing talent, go to theindielist.ie. Don't go anywhere else. Theindielist.ie. 